1: Hello and welcome to the 29th episode of The First Exchange with me, your host, Lydia dedal Well, we have a very special guest in this evening. Um, listen, all the guests are special, but um, tonight I was joined by uh, a former professional Thai boxer, um, now turned um, endurance athlete. Um, it was of course Connor O'Keefe. And um, for any of you that don't know Connor, he's kind of hit the headlines uh, recently for uh, a new project that he's been working on the last couple of months. It's called the Thirty Two. So, what is the Thirty Two? I hear you ask. Well, Connor is going to run thirty-two marathons in thirty-two days, wearing a weighted vest of thirty-two pounds. Um, so he was in the studio with us tonight to talk to us about how this whole project um, came into fruition, I suppose, Um, and also talk about his Thai boxing background um, and just his journey in life. You know, we had a really, really good chat, a a, a record breaker, um, almost two hours here in the studio, Uh, the longest um, uh, podcast episode we've recorded to date, but that will just uh, uh, keep you in mind or, or let you in the know of how great the chat was and we forgot the time. Um, but a fantastic uh, character, um, really, really wonderful insight into life and um, how his journey into, um, you know, exploring his own mind has led him on this incredible, incredible path. Um, so it was fantastic to get him in. He came all the way up from Cork, so we are really super appreciative of of it, um, so make sure that you go online, check out the 32. He is doing this in 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 the hope of raising 100,000 euro for Pieta House. So um, listen to this episode and then get online, um, search Connor O'Keefe, C O'Keefe, uh, on Instagram. Go to the First Exchange Instagram. You'll find uh, links to to his. Um, uh, Instagram and social on errors, um, and donate and share this podcast because it's it's an important one. Um, we have a mental health crisis in this country, as you know. Um, so people like Connor should be celebrated and given lots of press and lots of headlines. Um, so I will leave you with the twenty nine episode of the First Exchange. Connor O'Keefe, welcome.
0: Hello. How are we,
1: Grace? Thank you so much for coming up. To the studio. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you very much for having me.
1: <laughs> Thank you for travelling outside of Cork. But you come to Dublin quite regularly, don't you?
0: Uh, yeah, I've actually was like I should move up here because I've actually been <laughs> up here all do. the
1: time. I'd I, like a new friend in Dublin. I'm
0: beginning to know the air coach man by name. I'm like, oh hey, what's up? Oh, f- what's your name again? Pat. Oh yeah, hi Pat. <laughs> what's up? I'm, I'm here again. And we're on the way up to Dublin again.
1: So what's the what's the buzz? How come you come up here so often?
0: Um, I just it just seems to be like the centre of everything. So listen you know
1: once you convert you, once you go Dublin you won't go back
0: <laughs> yeah like no I'm, I I am a very very proud <sighs> Cork man. now to be fair and I've had I've had the I've had the pleasure of um, I, of coming up here for loads of different reasons I fought up here before actually yes um, and uh, I've been up here for multiple talks and things like that that yeah. I've been giving and stuff like that so I kind of seem to find myself up here quite often
1: yeah you should move um,
0: after the thirty-two, I might consider maybe.
1: Well, let's talk about the thirty-two. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about why you're here. There's loads that I want to talk to you about, but I suppose let's kick off why we got you in, and then yeah. we'll we'll go back and no we'll we'll not. we'll get to how did we get here. Perfect. So, for anyone, how, how would you describe the thirty-two? Because yeah. I've been telling everyone, Con- Connor. He's incredible. And they're like, what's going on? What's Connor doing? And I'm like, 32 marathons, 32 days wearing a 32 pin vest. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Yeah. So tell me, wh- what, why and why? Why did you decide to do all these marathons and then why 32?
0: Mm, okay. Um, the 32 was very simple because it was just for every county in Ireland. You so won! Like, you know, I was like, Goo! Uh, So I always said, look, I wanted to see the whole country. I wanted to um, affect the whole country as well because. Yeah. What actually happened was earlier this year I took part in an ultra endurance race and it was a 200 mile race and um, it was the Enduro Man 200 mile ultra marathon and no one had actually finished that race since 2016. Right. And there was only one person to actually finish it within the 60 hour time limit. Um, No way. And I actually ended up becoming The first finisher um, since 2016, I became the second ever person to finish it within 60 hours and I only did it with with four months proper training. And so when I finished that up, everyone was like, Jesus, that's astounding. And, you know, it it, it was crazy that you were able to accomplish that in such a short period of time. Yeah. I said, look, well, obviously I probably have some sort of a gift in terms of this whole endurance thing. Um, and because people were kind of saying, Connor, you're inspiring me, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're getting me thinking differently about my life and all of these things. I was like, I want to bring this everywhere. Yeah. I want to bring this everywhere. So that's why I wanted to go the 32 counties. Um, and because I had been raising money for PA to house and because I had suffered with my own mental health for mm-hmm. so many years, I felt like I wanted to, to do something to, to, um, to, to benefit the, the charity and to benefit people as a whole. So it's
1: incredible. Yeah. So in terms of the 32 marathons in 32 days like is this you're doing your own marathon races like cuz I don't I assume there's not like marathons going on as this is no, happening at no. night like, so it's it's your own kind
0: of It's my own marathon distance yeah okay. so I'll be tracking it via uh, my Garmin um or uh, and or I'll be tra- tracking it through Strava it's um it's like a a running and cycling yeah. app to kind of track distance I'm going to do it to true both, um, and we've 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 we have the routes and stuff like that plotted out. Um, if at all I find myself at the quote unquote finish line and I'm two kilometers short. I'll, I'll run a kilometre away and one kilometre back. I'll make yeah. sure that I get the kilometre distance then every day.
1: Amazing. Mm. So in terms of like this whole kind of, we'll say production or this whole like journey that you're on, when you actually get to do the 32 marathons, are you going to have a team with you?
0: Yeah, I have yeah. a team with me. I have, um, I've got two guys that are actually making a, a documentary on the whole process brilliant so um they've they've been actually documenting me since well before christmas um kind of documenting the journey so far and um, they've been documenting my training and my my routines and things and Um, I have those two guys they're from um, a company called 528 Creative and they're just two young guys from Cork that are just incredibly talented at videography and uh, they were just they approached me and I didn't even want to see any of their video I was just like just tell me about yourselves (laughs) you know (laughs) tell me about yourselves why do you want to take this on because I said like, look if you take this on with me I'm going to expect an awful lot from you you're going to have to get up early with me you're going to have to travel with me you're going to have to you're going to have to be living part of my life with me when I get into the water in the beach they have to get into the water with me and stay for as long as I do all of these things and I said that to them from the very start they were like yeah we'll take it on we'll do it and they've done it and um, they'll be with me my father will be with me who's been crewing who has crewed all my ultra marathons that I've done so far so he kind of knows he crewed that 200 mile race so he was with me throughout the whole thing Um, so he's vital and um, a good friend of mine um, my buddy Brian is going to be with me as well who's um, just been an absolutely fantastic friend um, to me since I met him and my physio Donica Long Fit for Long um, he's going to be with me for the full 32 days so he's going to be Performing triage on me every <laughs> so single he's, day. He's the wizard that's going oh, on board, be <laughs> taping me together. He <laughs> will be rubbing me down. He'd be doing everything. We'll become very, very um, accustomed to each other <laughs> by the end of like, it. I'd imagine.
1: I'm just listening to you, like talk about it, and it just seems so exciting. Mm. Like, w- no matter about everything else that's going on with it, but it's just such, in terms of like um, a life kind of goal or mm. a life challenge that you've set yourself. What an exciting little project Absolutely. to like be like how many Brilliant. people
0: can say they've been in every single county in their country um, and, you know for any reason uh, let alone to run through it and run a full marathon through it and to see these things and meet these people and you know touch these people's lives it's, it's going to yeah. be fantastic it's going to hurt an awful lot <laughs> yeah. it's probably going to drag um, parts of me up that I've never even touched before yeah. not even tr- in the 200 mile race and that's going to you know it's going to it's going to really really test my, my resilience but at the same time What a fantastic adventure, you know? Um, Absolutely.
1: So exciting. Mm. Like, you've obviously been putting in so much work and it's, this is not something that's like an overnight thing where you're like, oh, I'm going to do it next week. Like there's so much thought that I imagine has gone into it.
0: Absolutely.
1: It's taken a massive chunk out of your like life. So was that something that you kind of, you know, sat back and was like, well, do I have the time really? Or am I, maybe not the time, but am I going to... Um, will it be hard for me to, to, to basically take on that commitment because mm. it is a large you know it's a large period of time and everyone else that's involved was that a, a factor in it at all
0: I quit my job um, yes! yeah I quit my job and I said I'm <laughs> just going to put the eggs in this basket and
1: yeah this I, is the shit I wanted you to say <laughs> yeah
0: yeah. Um, I was lucky enough that I had saved up a lot of money yeah. um, because I was working in a job that paid me quite well and I was able to put away a few bob daddy And so I've been just kind of basically living on that money um, while I've been doing this and as well, people have been really, really generous for me. For, for me, from coming like from from barbers to my physiotherapist <laughs> has you know my, yeah. my physio hasn't charged me for any of these sessions that he's doing with me because he just believes in what I'm going to do. He believes mm. in me and he believes in how how much good that this is going to do. That he's like, look, Connor, I'm not going to charge you anymore for this. Like you know, this is this is a journey that we're both on. I've had you know, there's so many things. There's um Origin Bars. They gave me loads of free nutrition. And um, there's been loads of people that have actually gotten behind me and they've they've um, they've really helped me out. Of course um, they did. Yeah. So I, I I quit my job, but I didn't f- I felt like I was like, you know, I wasn't alone. You know, I was never yeah. alone in this kind of um, in this journey. And um, although I run alone and I train alone, I do these things. That's the only part of my time that I feel like I'm actually uh, it's just me. Yeah. I think everybody is involved in it. You know? Yeah. 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 So when, when I when when I kind of thought about the time commitment, I was like, I have a a, a a second of time on this earth really in terms of the mm. the, the grand scheme of things yeah. I'm just gonna go what I say. What I like to say I'm gonna kitchen sink it like I'm gonna try everything but the ki- and the kitchen sink at it and um, it never really scared me how much time and effort this was gonna be
1: Is that you though? Are you the kitchen sink type of guy?
0: Absolutely <laughs> yes. Absolutely This
1: isn't like you know midway to your life you're deciding I've, to now be I've the been kitchen ki- sink guy I've
0: been kitchen sinking it basically <laughs> for my whole life really and um, um, like I claimed Mount Kilimanjaro when i was 17 uh, with a charity because I was basically like I was really like awkward f- chubby kid uh, you know and, I, and I, uh, I really was like felt like I was limited by my by my physical um, stature like because I was like I was quite heavy I had a really really bad diet you know we, like this is like what the late 90s early 90s like avocados weren't invented back Absolutely then nice. you know what I mean like there was no such thing as an avocado <laughs> um, like you know I was like what's for dinner ma'am oh you, um, we have a jelly snake um, <laughs> and a Mr Freeze <laughs> 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 and that was what you ate in the nineties, like you know what I mean. Um, yes, I was like, oh, well, what, "What color is the Mister Freeze?" It's green. Oh, geez, at least I'm getting my greens. <laughs> um So, like, I, I, I just was a very, very lazy, overweight kid. And then I was like, "Okay, boom!" In my, in my kind of mid-teens, I was like, "This is just not the way I want to live anymore." So I started training for myself. This is long before I, I found Thai boxing. It was about a year before, year or two before I found Thai boxing. And when I kind of, this, when I, when I made that change physically I was like okay I want to kind of like push myself I want to test myself see what yeah. the, this is all about and I, I really wanted to join the army at that time because my dad was a soldier and I was like do you know what I'm going to do now I'm going to go off and I'm going to climb Kilimanjaro and um, just raised money and went to Kilimanjaro climbed it with a charity and uh, like even, even even then I was you know training my mind yeah. and I didn't even know it um, it, yeah. Yeah, even coming towards the end of it I was incredibly sick with altitude sickness and I was at about three or 400 metres from the top and um, our, our tour guide was a former Royal Marines commando and he had a glass eye his name was Graham like he was such a friendly guy but I was kind of <laughs> freaked out by the eye because the eye never moves and I was like what's up with this guy's eye but he was staring at me in the eyes with the glass eye and he was like Connor if you don't start moving I'm going to take you off this mountain and your climb is done and then I was like okay
1: no way I,
0: ha- I have to get up and I have to start putting one foot in front of the other and I I touched a little bit on what I what was actually inside me and I knew it was there the whole time that I was able to push that extra bit and um, like I was getting sick blood I was nauseous I had migraines um, and I was still able to, to put one one foot in front of the other and and um, kind of from then on, I had I had kind of touched base on this so many times, but I never allowed it to stay for as long as I have now. Yeah. You know,
1: that's very, that's very exciting. And to mm. be that young as well, like mm-hmm. 17, like, I mean, look at 17 year olds today. Look, when I was like 17, you know, I didn't know my arse or my elbow, as did many of us. Yeah, you know?
0: yeah neither did I really. <laughs> I just like to do crazy stuff, really, to be honest.
1: it's so exciting. Uh, and how old are you now?
0: I am 28.
1: Oh, in a way. Yeah. 2029. are
0: Twenty-nine in September, tenth of September.
1: i a Virgo.
0: Mm. I'm a Virgo, yeah. <laughs> is That's... that is, is that is that substantial? Is that a... it's
1: it's really like we yeah. had a Virgo on last week. Shane is a Capricorn. I'm a Leo. It's very good. It's very good. <laughs> it
0: I'll tell you, no, seriously, I've never had anybody mention anything like you know about star signs on a on a podcast, like you know, because I am like the ultimate guy. Like I've talked at length <laughs> on my Instagram <laughs> stories about how much it doesn't actually matter whatsoever <laughs> what star sign you are. Yeah, I, I'm a Virgo. I don't actually don't even know what that actually I'm, means. I'm
1: building. Um, uh, I'm building some kind of new, uh, like star sign platform or podcast oh, really? of this. Yeah, I'm fascinated by uh, star signs. Really? I read a lot of um, uh, scientific documents. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I read a lot of stuff about um, <laughs> uh, not only star signs in terms of like. Um. <laughs> um like, it's not, you know, I'm going to look into my crystal ball now and tell you what you're going to do tomorrow. Um, And it's not like, you know, you're going to win the lotto in three weeks. It's more about uh, personalities okay. and personalities based on the time of year. That so in, were born in, and...
0: in, in two minutes, could you round up what my personality should be as a Virgo and, and what that relates to me as an endurance athlete? I'm putting, you on, I'm putting you on as well. Hello, welcome to my Sorry, podcast. Sorry, I just going to get my rocky. crystal ball
1: out my bag. <laughs> I'll me two seconds. Give me two seconds, okay?
0: I just became the host.
1: No, see, the thing is, right, it's not about, like, being, um, you know, oh, because you're a Virgo, now you're going to be a fantastic endurance athlete. It's just about your personality mm-hmm. and, like, the type of people that get on together or gel based on personality types. So my brother is very, my brother's a holistic therapist and he's, kind of the same thing of like you know um, it doesn't really mean anything people grow into their stereotype so they're okay. like I'm a Leo so I'm going to be you know bubbly and friendly and courageous and blah blah whatever um, but I just find it interesting it's like a I don't know it's like a little thing that I enjoy Yeah. anyway exactly. back to you and the 32
0: <laughs> no worries.
1: She ain't gonna edit all this out if it sounds <laughs> um, No so obviously you came back then And then what happens when you go back from Kilimanjaro Are you like this is an incredible Like I'm feeling you know that I've found something Or that I'm a different type of person And do you go back to your same routine Or do you change habits Like how, how do, you, do you get onto the path That finally led you onto where you are now
0: mm. um, Like there was about 10 years in between Kilimanjaro and this yeah so there was a lot um, re- when i first came back from kilimanjaro is actually probably the first time that i actually realized that i was depressed uh, no yeah, I, I, I came back from Kilimanjaro and it was this huge achievement. And then I was like back into normal life. And I don't know, was it because maybe I had built this up in my life as like, you know, I, I was 17 at the time. You know, I was like, oh, my God, climbing Kilimanjaro, that's the top and the be all of everything and all this kind of stuff. And then when I reached the top and I came back, I was like, oh, I still have to go to school and I still have to. I have a leaving cert and I have these things. And I really felt like. I was, uh, the wind was taken out of my sails, you know. Yeah. Um And uh, I really felt really down. I just didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to talk to my friends. I didn't want to talk to anybody at the time. And that was kind of the first time I really, I was probably, you know, in and out of, of, of times where I felt low uh, before that. Um, you know surrounding my weight and things like that but I it was it's probably one of the first times I realised that I was like down for a considerable amount of time
1: Mm. it's Um, so interesting as well because when we think about like um, young people I I think when I do when I think about like young people with weight issues in particular you always just think about women don't you you don't just think about girls you really like I don't think girls really understand that guys actually do go through that as well that it's not just us
0: I went to an all boys school like and nothing was taken off the table like you know in terms of what you could be insulted for you know (laughs) and um, like it was part of the crack and it was part of what kind of made it great as well but like you know to be honest with you I don't think I had the resilience at that time to take it and just kind of like Move forward from it, um, and I—I I didn't, I hadn't, you know, I didn't have the toolbox like mm. you know to deal with it. So my kind of way of dealing with it was, I'm going to, I'm going to just negate the reason why I get insulted, and I'm going to lose all the weight. But I never actually worked on the actual person. Yeah. you know, and I just decided, oh, yeah, if I lose the weight, then. Um, people won't insult me over being a fat guy anymore. Yeah. And then that kind of ceases everything from there. But you're still the same person. Um, you're still the same person through that. Um, so it was like, you know, um, w- w- when I actually got rid of the weight, it was just kind of like, I could focus just on other areas of life where I was unhappy you know what I mean and that was uh, that was something that I wasn't kind of prepared for
1: Mm -hmm. where were the other areas that you were unhappy
0: Um, I just felt like um, because something like doing you know heading off to like East Africa um, and uh, going you know flying into Kenya and spending time in Nairobi and then you know um, getting this like long uh, bus journey through um, uh, through through areas where people go on safari and seeing all these exotic animals and being out in the, in the, in the savannah and uh, going to the foothills of Kilimanjaro and then, you know, going back into normal life. It was like, um, it was, I I, I wasn't prepared for the normalcy Mm -hmm. afterwards. Um, But the other areas was like, I didn't, after I had got back from that I was like searching for a meaning like I had when I was over there Mm. and then I kind of continued to search for that meaning until I kind of found fighting and found Thai boxing and um, when I found that it was like I had something that you know I was actually first and foremost good at because I wasn't really good at many things when I was a young fella, you know, I was like, I wasn't great at sports and I wasn't great at school and I yeah. wasn't great with girls and like, that's like the three areas you want to be good at when you're a young fella, like, you know what I mean? And I was strictly <laughs> average at all three, like, you know, and, you know, it was like, I finally found this thing. I was like, here, boys, I'm actually good at this. Yeah. And um because... I had done taekwondo as a kid and things like that. So I had kind of like a basic, you know, idea of like stances and how to throw a punch and whatnot. Yeah. And then I did a bit of um, just norm normal queensberry rules boxing um for for a short period of time but i was like i kind of miss using my legs because i'm all leg i'm just like you know i'm just like legs with a tiny body attached are you
1: always this tall have you always been i was yeah i was
0: kind of yeah when i when i when i quote unquote lost all the weight i grew about a foot too so yeah so i was like it was like everything happened at once (laughs) so um i was kind of yeah i was i've been this tall since i was about 17 and uh i when, when i phoned tie boxing finally then I was like this is it I mm. like remember my first session and I was like in bits I was yeah. like <gasps> sucking for air like on this like on the middle of the mat like and everybody else was just like lashing the leather pads around me and I was like boys how are we gonna keep going like <laughs> I'm dead but what I love. it what was
1: the gym where did you go I'm Warriors On oh, no way amazing. amazing amazing yeah. amazing amazing yeah.
0: And we we were in there, and it was just such a great time. At that time as well, there was loads yeah. of people fighting out of that gym. We 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 would have shows, and we'd have fights where there'd be twenty three or four fights on in the night, and sixteen of them would be made up of guys right. from our gym, and sometimes even more. Yeah. And it was just such a great like brotherhood, you know. And um, yeah. yeah, it was something that like immediately I was good at it. So if I was good at it, I was like accepted by everybody in there. Then you know, and yeah. it was just like. I felt like I was accepted and that, um, you know, I could, uh, you know, I, I, had, I had made this new arena for myself. Yes, you know?
1: that's very interesting because um, a lot of times when, especially when I, I started jiu-jitsu, a lot of my friends that didn't do any sport were like, what is wrong with you? You're so obsessed with this new thing that you found. And I found jiu-jitsu at 30. So like, I was like, you know ready to die because I'm 13 yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm like you know I was that I had this thing where I had been in music for 10 years so I was like right I'm not doing music anymore and now I just have to wait around and You're die you performing yeah I was singing in a band oh, Um, and then that ended and I kind of had like a little 29 midlife crisis broke up with a boyfriend long relationship moved out of her apartment stopped being in a band um, whoa uh, yeah, so I had done that for like, you know, seven years. We were signed to record labels and different things. So my whole life was like being on tour, recording albums, and Whoa. then it was gone. And okay. I was, after... All the things that kind of gave me some kind of like you know maybe um happiness as in the creative outlet of the band meaning yes was gone Mm. Um, and then I was just left with like an uh, alcohol and drug habit you know that I was like okay well this is not gonna um serve me Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially because when you're in a band and you're on tour um you can drink seven nights a week and no one says that to you and it's encouraged because you're management and your record label, you know.
0: It's almost part of the artistic side of things, is. isn't it? It it's, is. Yeah, it and really then
1: is. when you're writing, you know, it's like open the red wine, you know, let's smoke yeah. a joint, you know, yeah. let's get into this creative little zone.
0: A very interesting thing, you now, as a sidebar to this, um, I was recently reading a book uh, from Stephen King. It's called On Writing and it's a, it's a memoir of his life as a writer for the first part of it. And he was an alcoholic. Wow. and he had to he had written some of his best pieces he he read he written Carrie, he had written the shining he had written loads of great pieces mm. while he was an alcoholic and he obviously gave up alcohol and he was kind of afraid that he was going to lose this yes, artistic kind yes, of yes, a, a yes. feel like you know like um, they, uh, thinking about famous um, uh, authors like Ernest Hemingway like and he always had a had a serious kind of a um, affinity with like drinking lots of wine and things like that and, yeah. and, and 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 smoking lots of cigarettes and all these things that made him this artistic being when mm. he kind of said it's all rubbish it's just like you know people use that as this kind of a an excuse to abuse themselves in this art you know in this kind of chasing this artistic being like
1: absolutely it's twisted it's like i i thought that i was living this like fully you know romanticized life where i was like a rock and roll star and you know i had this was my purpose in life and you know every everything that i'd gone through to that point had led me to this point to like you know just be all encompassed by this like incredible world that those people were like oh my god you're so lucky because you've such this such exciting life mm. but when you take all the the good stuff away from it when you're left with you know literally like not having a sense of purpose and you know just abusing your body and your mm. mind like consistently and not being able to get out of the like rat wheel or the, the mouse wheel that you're in yeah. because we we're kind of i was surrounded by people who were in that so mm. it was kind of you couldn't get out of it you would be dragged back in you know it's like trying to climb out of like a sand pit or something you know and you get a little bit up and you just get dragged back in um and I don't know, I, I I was out one night and my best friend's um, boyfriend is a judo black belt and he, I when I used to get drunk, I used to wrestle everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm in the middle of Grafton Street, double-legging people. <laughs> Before I That's even so started funny. jiu-jitsu. And he was like, one night I was really annoying him and he was like, Lydia, you just need to start jiu-jitsu or wrestling or something and get that energy out of you. And I was like, no, I couldn't because sport, like I was, I just... Marked me down as someone who's creative. Absolutely,
0: yeah. I, know I don't you do mean. sports. Mm-hmm. i never
1: done it in school. I try to avoid it as much as possible. Um, so when I started jiu-jitsu, it, like, it was the most terrifying thing that I had done going into the first class, actually stepping in there. And mm. I always, like, when I talk to people about it, like, it, something higher than me, something bigger than me made me Made me go in there that mm-hmm. day because um you know I believe that the universe had a bigger plan for me, and without starting jujitsu, I wouldn't have started competing. I wouldn't have started getting obsessed with training. I wouldn't have stopped stopping drinking, drugs, everything, and then I wouldn't have had Fight Connect TV, which wouldn't have led me here, which wouldn't let me to the attention on Virgin Media. So there's like a whole little journey along. Yes. Um, but getting back to what we're talking about is. To, about having that sense of community that you spoke about for sure you can't explain it to someone unless they do it yeah. unless they experience it Is that for good, you
0: i'm still good friends with lads that i fought with i haven't fought in ireland i haven't fought in ireland since twen- late 2014 and i'm still good friends with I, i'm actually i've ran an ultra marathon with one of the guys that I started Thai boxing with as a teenager. No way. Yeah. Who uh, is that? Marco Manny. Uh, Hello, Mark. Do you know Mark? Yes. Um, and he, um, he, it was actually himself and his twin brother Steve started at the same time. I actually was I was probably Thai boxing about a year and a half, and uh, I had had maybe two fights, I think. And uh, the lads started then And they were like They were the same kind of like demographic as me You know they were going to college in UCC I was going to college in UCC mm. And they were the same age what as me What are
1: you studying at the time when you were
0: there? I was studying law in UCC And the lads Very were studying I think finance or something like that And I um, uh, they, they, The board of the lads came in And we're literally a week apart I think they're like the 2nd of September And I'm the 10th of September We're literally s- exact same age nearly yeah. So when they came in I was like Straight away, I was like, "Who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck are these guys stomping on my yard?" You know what I mean. So I just started trying to kick the shit out of them because, uh, like, I'd been doing it for so much longer than yeah. they had. Um, they were training in another gym, and one of the one of the, you know, Aaron O'Callaghan
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Aaron actually brought them up from the from another gym because um, they were he was training in a gym once a week or whatever, yeah. and um, the lads were mad to go, so they brought him up. And I remember, like, um, we'd all be sparring and whatnot, like, and I, <laughs> I'd be really trying to kick your shit out of the lads. Because, like, it was like, you know, I'm just going to let you know who's, who's, yeah. who's boss here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> then the lads went off to Thailand, and they trained in Thailand for a couple of months, and then they came back, and I was like, these boys are hitting me with some shots that they wouldn't have before. <laughs> yeah. And we all just kind of basically, from then, after about a year, we, like, just grew into this kind of, like, trio where, like, each of us was trying to push each other to each other's limits like you know yeah. and, I mean everybody, everybody would be off like after getting showered and changed we'd be like doing knees on the bag I'd be really? like I'm going to do 200 <laughs> knees <laughs> Steve'd be like I'm going to do 250 would do I do three sure I'm going to do four so and then we'd be there all night like you know but, it was, it. but it was fantastic and it was yeah, one of the reasons yeah. why I had such great success at that time was because I just had an engine on me that like in the fourth round I was coming out I was fresh as daisy yeah. and um, people were just not able to keep up and that it was because we had built this kind of like It was an unspoken bond and no one, no one will ever realise it until you actually get into the trenches with somebody and you're like, you know, all three of you have a fight on at the same night and you're all, you're all feeling the same way because any, any fighter can say, oh yeah, I'm grand, I'm relaxed about everything. You shit your pants sake, you know what I mean? When you, especially (laughs) when you find out who you're fighting, you know, and I fought some people like that, um, that are, that were very, very good. I fought some people at their, in their prime in Irish Thai boxing for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> it was just one of those things where when I, fo- when I found it straight away, I was like, this is just, this is everything. This is everything. Yeah. I just I just invested everything in it.
1: How long did it take you to start fighting when you oh, train?
0: I, I had my first, like, um, what are they called? Um, demo? Ro- yeah, demo, like ro- <laughs> rock'em, rock sock'em, cyborgs. <laughs> you know, when you have the head gear on and the chest gear and the whole lot, like, you know. I had my first one about two two or three months afterwards, after Very. I started. And then I had my first ever, I had my first C-class fight then about nine months afterwards, maybe nine or ten months afterwards. I fought a Dublin guy called Carl McCallig. Now, I fought
1: Shippers.
0: him. I fought, I fought him. There's
1: a name for you.
0: Yeah, I fought him with, with the shin pads on and 16 ounces with no headgear, no, no uh, chest pad first. No and way. I actually won the fight. And then we actually fought in, uh, we fought like a year later and I had completely stopped really Thai boxing for a long time because I was repeating my leave Cert. And uh, I picked it back up and I was like, oh, I'm going to go back in now and I'm going to fight. And he was like, do you want to see C-class fight? Like with no shin pads. I was like, yeah, mate, for sure I do. Went in, got in with Carl. We knocked the shit out of each other for the first round. Then the second round, I think he TKO'd me after Carl
1: that. comes to fight every after time. After a minute and a half. <laughs> he,
0: yeah, he does come to fight. He, he does come to fight for sure. <laughs> and um, I, I was just like, at that time, Carl was very one-dimensional. Yeah. He was just punch, 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 punch. And if I had any kind of uh, fighting brain on me at that time, I'd have been like, I'm just going to slip this punch and I'm going to kick you or whatever. (laughs) But I was just like, I'm going to punch you too, (laughs) you know? So uh, basically that was my first kind of uh, foray into like Thai boxing for real and I got my ass handed to me. And uh, I was like, right, we need to rethink this. So I was like, Time with the idea of never doing it again but then I was like I love this so much I yeah. could never li- yeah. I could never give it up and I didn't want to be a person who just trained and, it, and it's n- I never ever like would distinguish between somebody who trains and somebody who fights and, and say oh yeah the, the person who fights is better or whatever the case is. It's just, I just didn't want to do it unless I was honing a craft and I was able yeah. to show what I could do in front of a crowd
1: yeah. and then
0: I think at the after that's that that's
1: interesting that's
0: uh, interesting. Yeah, after that I was just like okay, we need to really think about how to, how to fight, not how to train for a fight, mm. but how to fight. And from then I won I think I won about 10 or 11 fights on the go. Um, and then after that, then I, I started to get into kind of like bigger fights, A-class fights and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it's just kind of kept on going then mm. from there.
1: How did you find the A-class fights? Um, <laughs> <For> <laughs> anyone all... that doesn't know that's listening, that doesn't know anything about Thai boxing or combat sports, this is like probably, I still think A-class my Thai is like, a, a, apart from Lethoi or Le Toi, um, is the most We'll say brutal Of for all sure. the combat sports I don't like using that for word brutal sure. But you're incorporating Like all eight limbs Elbows yeah, Knees it's bu- Beautiful the whole lot. brutality Beautiful brutality
0: um, That's it I had my first When I had my first A-class fight It was actually My first A-class fight My f- No It was my second A-class fight Was actually Against Paddy Douglas um, For an Irish title And I was reminded By Paddy In the second round that you could use elbows, because he elbowed me in the face and cut my eye open, and I was like, Oh, I I forgot we could use elbows. You know? So <laughs> that's what, the
1: reminder. that was
0: my fucking that was my like first like real kind of a step into the A-class uh, kind of um, zone. I had loads of B class fights, like five, two-minute rounders, and uh it changes the game completely because mm. it changes the whole clinch aspect of it, because when you're clinching in a B class fight you can control his arms in any way you want. There's, yeah. no, there's no worries about like whether he's going to elbow you in the head or not. Yeah. And um, I used to just love, because I love the clinch and I love kneeing people and I used to love knee- kneeing people in the head. So I always used to just try and pull his knee down, his head down as close to my knee and just try and knee people in the face. Beautiful. But, but when you try and do that, in an A-class fight you get so consumed in trying to manoeuvre his head you forget about his arm on the inside and you get a knee into the or an elbow into the side of the face or you get an elbow into the nose an elbow in the nose is terrible an elbow in the nose is so horrible because it's like it's like um, when you get punched in the nose, it like hits your nose, but the nose kind of um, it hits your cheeks and stuff, but <laughs> and and it kind of like completely smothers your face, and it's a bad one, you know. Yeah. But when you get elbowed in the in the nose, it's like it's like getting hit with a frying pan. It's like you just feel like someone's after um, after like just shooting um, plaster up your nose. You just can't even f- yeah. you can't even breathe. Um, but um, yeah, it's not nice. And so when I when I, when that kind of um, when that aspect of it came into it, then I really had to. I that was it. Like that was just leveling up. You level. You know what I yeah. mean? You know, it's, yeah. it's it's there's a reason why there's a there's CB and A class because yeah. you need to be ready for all three of those aspects. And yeah. I actually wasn't when I fought, fought Paddy. I definitely wasn't. Um, I wasn't ready for that. I was ready to fight. I was so game to fight. We actually had a war a really really like it was a really good fight actually
1: he's uh, the reason you're on this podcast yo, oh, yeah I was in yeah, his yeah. kitchen and he was like um, I was saying come on Paddy like give me names who am I going to get on like I know you know some good people because everyone was like you know get on Damien Dempsey get on Tommy Tear I was like give me good people and he was like what about Connor? and I was like who's Connor? and he was like "Connor O'Keefe and I was like okay what's Connor doing and then he was telling me you know because yeah, yeah, yeah. we'd never met each other before we became you know? great
0: buddies after it yeah. Great buddies after Not it.
1: us, you and Paddy. Yes, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Me <laughs> yeah, and Paddy became yeah. great buddies after it, you know. And That's what w- he
1: said. He Because I think you had been up with him in Dublin or something. Yeah. Oh Yeah, and then he was like, you but know, he's gonna, doing this whole thing.
0: I'm going to say this now because Paddy might listen to this.
1: He listens to them all. He's my biggest fan. Really? Okay. Yes.
0: Well, look, Paddy, <laughs> um, I was actually a fan of you before we were set to fight each other. I never actually said this to him before, no but way. I was actually because I we would have always fallen the same shows and yeah. things like that, and I always wanted to. Um, do you know, like for a lot of the fights, I would just sit in the back and just not want to watch people fight. Really, mm. you know, I'd, and just like you know wait for my own fight. Yeah, but I'd always like to watch Paddy's because he was a really hit a really good style. Um, he just and, and he also looked like Ivan Drago he was just built he was just some out of a Rocky film man because <laughs> like he was built and you can imagine now right you're, <laughs> you're lining up like you're trying to like at, at this kind of like uh, you know the belt is there now and it's me and him and the belt is there and we're at the weigh-ins like and you just <laughs> see this guy and he's ripped to death, and he's just all like got the muscles in all the right places. And then there's me, like, hey, hi, hi how are you doing? I'm Connor. Ha <laughs> ha. It's like I I just look like a string of piss. But like, um, I I just liked just watching how he fought, and um, he was he was he was just all he was very entertaining. And um, so when I got a chance to fight him, I was like, okay, if I fight this guy, and I beat this guy. I'm the best in Ireland. Like, and it's not just because I'm holding the Irish title. It's like I've be- beaten the best guy. You know, yeah. it's like if I would fought somebody else for it, I'd have been like, OK, that's good. And if I won the fight, I'm like, OK, that's good. Now we have to fight Paddy for it in yes. my mind, you know, at mm. that time. So, yeah, major that, props.
1: That is, that is a very old school mentality in fighting and titles and winning, right? Mm-hmm. Because you've obviously seen the dramatic change in combat sports Not only the sport, but the athletes since when you started we right? were in
0: the golden era of Thai boxing we yeah. really were and that's actually like no word of a lie and, and there's you know, there's great Thai boxers in this country right now and I n- will take nothing away from anybody who's fighting right now mm. but I think we were in it because it wasn't uh, diluted by MMA at that time and uh, <clears> I'm a, a big and I'm a big fan of MMA and I'm a big fan of all combat sports um, I'm, I, like I, I, I'm I'm a big fan of Irish MMA I'm a big fan of Jiu Jitsu I'm a big fan of anything that um, that, that involves combat sports but at that time it was like everybody wanted to fight the best people and everybody yeah. wanted to uh, and there was just a big pool of fighters you know you could you could easily fit 25 p- fights on a show like that's 50 people but
1: that comment that you made about um, wanting to fight Paddy because he would have been the best in Ireland so that means you would have been the best of Ireland because you, you then have beaten him and you get the title yeah. whereas a lot of the you know the youngsters that I, 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 I come across, not all, but some, they don't they don't care if it's an easy fight, if it's they just want to get the title. They just want to win. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And, and chasing the hardest fight for them if is I not important.
0: Say, if I can say anything to those younger fighters, right, <clears throat> um, coming yes. from like an old we, I'd say an old head now. Um, oh, you're an old at this head point, now. I'm an old head now. You're an old head so now, you know, I haven't fought. I haven't fought since 2017. But what, what I would say to anybody who's listening to this now and who is fighting or starting fighting or has had a couple of fights and is on the way up to a, a title fight, or whatever the case and be, don't ever, ever shirk a good opportunity to see how good you really are. Mm because that's all I ever wanted to do whenever I was fighting I didn't if if I had beaten Paddy I'd nearly let him walk out with the belt still yes. because I didn't really care about yes. this belt yes you know I mm. just wanted to, I wanted to see if I was going to beat the best guy and mm. cuz when I heard that I was fighting for an Irish title um the, it was actually I was I, I was shown the poster and when I saw I was fighting Paddy I was just I was ecstatic I was so over the moon and it was actually like a quote unquote break day and you know, I was training really hard at mm. the time. I was like, I was going to take a break, but it ended up being like one of the best sessions I ever put in was that yeah. day because I just couldn't, I couldn't wait to start preparing for this guy because I knew how good he was. Mm. I knew I had to prepare for it. And that's um, like when I, when I look back at my time tie boxing, I was always the guy who was first in the gym and last to leave. Mm-hmm. And that was always my mentality throughout it. And I have, I put that forward now into mm. endurance sports where like, I'm the guy who's working when nobody's watching, mm. when nobody's telling me to get out of bed early in the morning to go for those long runs when I feel terrible already. And there's nobody watching me in the gym and how long my breaks are or what I'm actually doing or how much weight I put into the vest. No one's, no one's watching me when I do these things. Mm-hmm. But it's the accountability that you get from years of you being accountable for yourself. That's where you get it from, and I was accountable to myself for for all the time through um, through through fighting Paddy and and, uh, and training for Paddy. And I really believe, like at that time, you know, although I became a better fighter after that fight, he fought the best Conor O'Keefe that was on that that night, and he mm. beat him, and he beat it, and he he deservedly so. Um, mm. I, I really do believe so. And it was just when at that time I re- I beat myself up over that fight for years. I think I think that was the I think that was the night that really actually put the last nail in the coffin for my true love for the sport.
1: Why do you say that? Because
0: I couldn't I didn't I didn't have the type of brain that I have now. And I didn't have there's three things that have made me into the person that I am now. Accountability,
1: Mm.
0: gratitude and compassion. Mm. And I'd had, I had those things, but I, did, I had never touched base them really. And I, my accountability, if I'm, if I, if I look back now on it, I trained really, really hard. I trained to the best of my ability. I also trained operating under the best information I had at the time. I probably didn't train the way I should have for the fight Looking back at it now, I actually have the, the, the knowledge to know I gave it my best shot regardless yeah. of what I did. Um, if if you're talking about gratitude, I should have been grateful that I actually had an opportunity yeah, to fight the best guy in the country for the title and in front of nearly 2000 people, mm-hmm. in front of all my friends and family and get get an opportunity on that large stage when there are people out there that they don't even have, they don't have the power to, to even walk. Or see or hear or do these things, and I'm just yeah. so grateful now for the smallest of things. I always say to people I'm an ultra marathon runner who runs hundreds of miles, but I'm happy that I'm able to actually put my weight under my two feet and walk around and yeah. that's that's as simple as it is, and everything else is just an, a further blessing on top of that, and that I'm able to run these things and mm-hmm. put my mind and my body through these things is a is is a fantastic thing that I'm grateful for every day, but I wasn't grateful for those things back then and Mm. I wasn't and so I couldn't see it all I could see was this was this devastating thing that just absolutely obliterated my whole world Thai boxing was my whole world and it obliterated everything and I could I took absolutely no good from it when there was so much good to be taken from it at the Mm. end of the day although it really really affected me physically I got a really horrible concussion off of it and my eyes had to be stitched and and everything after that it, there was there was there was residual emotional damage after that that really uh, you know um, if I had had the mind that I have now I would have been able to de- deal with it an awful yeah. lot easier. But I was a young man and I I didn't really know my own mind. It was 2013, seven years ago. I was twenty one at the time. Twenty I was mm. think I was t- I think I was just turned twenty two that uh, at that stage, young man, and I I had no idea how to actually properly process
1: it. Mm. You know? That's a very very interesting but also very important piece of talk Mm. um that you just said there um there'll definitely be a lot of um young fighters that will listen to that that will um take a lot from that yeah Um, there's um
0: there's there's a there's an awful lot regardless of fighting regardless of anything there's an awful lot there's you you actually need to relish failure Right, mm. and I mean relish failure. As in, there are times in your life where things are not going to go as you expect. For the last two and a half months, up until recently, I've been struggling with a with um, a knee and a hip injury that mm. has really stopped me from running, basically, at all, and has really put an awful lot of um, time pressure to build up a bit more more um, you know time on the road for me. If I had if I had, had the same mind that I had back in twenty thirteen as I had now, I'd have thrown the rattle out of the pram, I'd have been like, April first, we're gonna be meant to be doing thirteen hundred and fifty kilometers in thirty-two days, and I haven't been able to run in ages and all these things. But it's not a fail it's not a failure if if um if you're actually able to work through the setback and work around it yeah. and to actually find a different way of doing things. And some certain things Will happen, and you just won 't be able to do it the way that you had planned
1: yes and, yes.
0: and it, it, it ties into something that 's very, very dangerous, and that is expectation mm. is so dangerous uh, i 've dealt with that monster of expectations so in so many different aspects of life in yeah. school in sport in relationships in everything mm. in friendships in in all of these things i 've dealt with it with with it and it's it definitely um it definitely is something that, uh, if you if you limit the expectation, but increase your responsibility over it, and you increase your accountability to yourself, you're going you're going to have an awful lot easier time when when um, when things don't go your way. Yeah, because it's only one person that you have to. There's only one person you have to blame for your failure, or there's one person you have to thank for your success, and that is you. You know, yeah. and in that way, you know. It,
1: um, expectation or failure um or um disappointment all those kind of things those words that can set you off the course of your tracks Mm -hmm. when you i found um in in my experience when you learn to navigate them in a certain way in that they kind of you you look at them as sort of like little road bumps And not roadblocks. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I know that sounds so, like, stereotypical to say, but it's kind of when you just switch your mindset, um, what I realised was that I used to get, I used to love being in control of situations and love... um, it, just everything to be exactly how I wanted them to mm-hmm. be and everything had to be like a certain degree of perfectness. Yeah. And what I felt that was me just being like a true artist or creative and being a perfectionist was actually me being a control freak. And why was I being a control freak? Like, what was the reasons for it? Mm-hmm. So when I started to <clears throat> un- un- unravel why that was and then learn how to um, navigate when that th- those situations arose then in the future, when I had this change of mindset, which happened with jujitsu when I stopped drinking and started like looking after myself essentially and, and going to therapy and all these mm-hmm. different great things. Um, the power that's in when something goes wrong in some way to go, okay, then when we go a different direction, okay, well then we do this. Yes. To give yourself that power is the most like incredible feeling ever because you... You suddenly understand that you're in control. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you take you control, control this. of every
0: single aspect of your life. I talk about that, that, that when, um, when people are um, talking to me about, uh, about the 32. Mm. People that ask me, I actually got asked um, two good questions actually about the 32. And one of them was, what if you fail? And what does failure look like, right? What does yeah. failure look like to you? And you're like, oh, okay, this is a this is a hard question to ask.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: because it's a huge thing. And it's a, there's a lot riding on it. Um, not so, I, and, I, and I don't mean monetary wise, but there's a lot riding on it emotionally. Because not mm. only me, but people who are following what I'm doing are emotionally invested in this as well. And... Um, the people that are sur- that I'm surrounded by have put an awful lot of time and effort into this as well. So there's an awful lot of expectation.
1: Mm. <laughs> I'll, I'll use that
0: word. I mean, there's a lot of expectation, and there's a lot of um, this is just th- there w- could be an awful lot of pressure that you could put on yourself. But people ask me, "What if you fail?" And I say to, to be to myself, and I mean this truly, there is actually no failure in this whatsoever mm-hmm. because. It's just like a man who is standing waiting to be called into the ring. As soon as he steps over the ropes, he's already won. Mm. And that is actually the big thing to take from it. I'm going to take on this challenge and I'm going to take it on with courage and with everything that I have. Mm. And I really do believe that I'm going to do this. You know, every single ounce of me. Believes that I can do it. When I won the two hundred mile race, I actually didn't even believe that I could do it, and that's actually <laughs> no word of a lie. When I won the race, I was the most surprised person there. No way, really. Swear to God. And people say it is like, oh yeah, you had to believe that you were going to do it if you were going if you achieved it, and it's like, no, I didn't. I I actually won the majority of my fights, and uh, and I believed that I was going to get beaten in every single one of them. This is the first time that I actually believe that there is absolutely nothing that could stand in my way mm. from actually completing this. And then I said to myself, OK, let's actually toy with the idea that we fail. Yeah. And and what happens from there? Is that the end? No, because I've I've believed from the very beginning of this, when I started on this journey, I started on this journey of not only endurance, which is actually only a tiny, tiny portion of what this is, but this actual journey of discovering who I am and dis- and d- discovering a way of actually navigating through my own mind. And that's been the most important thing. I've, I'm really, really only beginning. I'm yes. really only beginning. Mm-hmm. And when I cross over the line in Cork and I throw off that last pound and I do the last marathon, that is only yet again just the beginning of something. And so failure to me is whatever you want to make of it. And Mm. uh, people can say, oh, he bit off more than he can chew or whatever the case may be. Um, And and I'm sure that there is actually a lot of people that are following me like this guy is not going to be able to do this. And that's completely, I'm completely okay with that because I probably wouldn't believe that I would do it either. Yeah. Until it actually came to the point when I did believe. And so when people talk to me about the failure of this whole thing, I'm like. Regardless of what happens on this thing, I've already succeeded. Mm. Um, I'm just going to physically manifest it by running all 32 marathons (laughs) 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 and and, and actually finishing it. And that's it, it, you know, Mm. and 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 that's 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 the way it is.
1: Can you remember the point where you, you where the belief suddenly came in? Like was it was it something very where it mm. just kind of came into your brain like a like a lightning bolt or is it something over time?
0: I I'm I, I'm I I learn something new about myself nearly every week and I mean that That's and so I, and I, I I really do I I, I, I I um the actual belief that it was going to happen mm. um. You see, when I finished up at this 200 mile race, um, usually when I finish these things up, right, um, when I get to the pinnacle of something. So when I got to the top of Kilimanjaro, I felt this huge lull and this, you know, this huge hollowness and, and this um, emptiness. I I ran my first marathon in 2018. I felt the exact same thing. I felt this emptiness, this hollowness. Yet again, the world had failed to sort out my problems. Yeah. And I had... Yet again Sorry if you can hear me burping I had qu- <laughs> I had quite a big um, b- Bunsen before I came in here So I could be burping a bit For the listeners um, But I, I Yet again After my first ultramarathon I, I ran a 100 mile race And I yeah. finished it up And like You know I had 7 weeks training I think No one believed That I was going to do it And I didn't actually think I was going to do it either And then I did it And then when I finished it up I had that same hollow feeling again so when I finished this 200-mile race, it was in that four intervening months. it was nothing to do with the physical side of it. It was all to do with the mental side of it, because I really touched base with. Not, I, I touched base with, not the tie boxing Connor, not the Connor who claimed Kilimanjaro, but this, like, this kid who was sitting in first-class Connor. And I actually had to work through all the way up and all the Mm -hmm. way up through this and, you know, why I ate so badly when I was a young fella, why I did this, why I did that, all these different things. And I forgave him and I had compassion for him. And that was why the third element of what I try and say to people of of the reason why I had these changes because I was actually compassionate and I could forgive myself for making these decisions Mm. and so when i finished up the 200 mile race i had this what's next you know i had Mm. this what's next for this man who can take on anything and i really felt like i could take on anything because i had i had heard from so many people that this race is so brutal because it's a brutal race it's 200 miles it's 324 kilometers and it's it's got four miles of elevation change throughout it so it is horrific and I finished it and no one like all the other guys that had, had lined up on the on the um, the side had ran more ultra marathons than I had. And we're like some of them had been running mar- ultra marathons for 10 years and they didn't finish. And a lot of them quit after 100 miles. And I get on to I, I, I could get into the, the mental significance of why they finished at 100 miles. Oh, please miles. do. I need to know. I could get into that. The when when I when I finished that up and I was like you had four months training to do this and you were able to say no every single time your body told you that you needed to stop and you were able to do that it's like okay mm, let's let's actually see what you can do let's yeah. actually see what you're actually capable of so I was like when I when I decided then that I was going to do 32 marathons in 32 days in the 32 counties, I was actually like, okay. And this is going to sound really big-headed of me, but I was like, okay, you're going to do that. So you need to do something else. You need to put something else on top of that. Because yeah. I knew that I would do 32 marathons in 32 days. I knew I'd be able to do that. I was like, okay, what could we do? And then I thought more about the aspect of the mental health side of it. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, I always felt like, like the negative thoughts and the depression I had was like a weight on my shoulders. Mm. So I wanted to put a weight on my shoulders and that I would lose the weight again. Like just I had I had done in 2019 I had I had lost that that weight that I had been feeling when I was training for the 200 miles. I lost all that weight. and then I, when I said, okay, we'll do it with the 32 pounds on. And through through that, I said, okay, well we're gonna announce this now to everybody, accountability. Accountability. Become accountable to yourself, and beca- and and how you can become accountable to yourself is to tell people that you're going to do something. Yeah. So I put, um, I put 32 pounds into a backpack and climbed to the top of Kil- uh, top of Kilimanjaro, the top of Tool. And so I climbed up to the top of Tool and I laid all the weights up next to the cross that's on the top that sits on top Tool. and I announced that I was going to do this thing. And when I was walking back down, I actually started crying. Um, because I was so emotional about that I was actually going to do this. And this was September. This was months before I was going to do this thing. And I was so emotional that I was actually going to be able to do this. And that I had a feeling. I had no idea that I was going to gain even as much traction as I has now. Mm-hmm. But I had a feeling that a lot of people were going to hear about it. And that a lot of people were going to get interested in it. And I had a feeling that a lot of people were going to be helped by my example. Yeah. And I said... As I was kind of like getting, getting myself back into my car in the car park, I was like, OK, we're going to do it. And I, I knew from that moment that I was going to do it and that I was going to wow. complete it. And that was it.
1: What A lot of moments. Yeah, it what was
0: crazy. A it's about an hour and a half drive home. I felt like I was driving for 10 minutes.
1: <laughs> really?
0: Yeah, I was just, I was just constantly like, you know, inside my own head, just thinking about how, like every single aspect I was talk, I was thinking to myself about, you know, certain times and certain days and what, what you're going to feel and what way you're going to feel at this day and that day and the other day. And I just, I just thought about all of these different things and I was like, okay, you're you're going to do it. Like you're going to be able to actually mm. get this done. And that was when I really started to believe that, that it, was going to be, that it was going to be two things. It was going to be the toughest thing that I had done to, to date for sure and that it was going to be something that I was going to never, ever forget and, and that I was going to do it.
1: Absolutely. Mm. I'm wondering at what point um, the shift in your mind, because obviously you, there's been um, mental Strength, durability, toughness is obviously something that you do possess because we've we've seen the, kind of the little traits coming on, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as as we go through um your kind of life timeline, from what you've been talking about. But when you speak about um not if you had the mindset now, we'll say when you were back, uh, tie boxing, how different things would have been. What was that shift in between that got you from when you were you were tie boxing to to now? Like what happened in in that time period? Um.
0: I didn't just lose the weight this time I focused on the guy and mm. um, I didn't just plaster over things and um, decide like, you know, running a marathon is going to s- solve the problem or running a hundred miles is going to solve the problem. I actually dealt with the guy that was really hurting really mm. badly um, because up until that time I was always looking for the world to solve my problems. And what I kind of said was the major difference in me was I was asking myself a different question. Yeah. I was asking myself, how am I going to change these things? How am I going to, you know, get my life back on track? And how am I going to get back to these days? Because after Thai boxing, I felt really like I had no meaning, no purpose. And um, I was asking myself how. And that was kind of a question where I was searching for the world to answer this question for me. And I was searching for motivation. I was searching for this motivation that it was gonna that was gonna get me uh, out and doing these things, but when I started training for the two hundred miler, I was asking myself, why do you want to continue? Why do you want to keep going? Why do you want to keep on trying to see if you can um, if you can get this guy that you know is inside in there, if yeah. you can get him to stay here for a long period of time because I had never given him a full shot at like. Being fully present in my life, I'd all I've always, you know, fall back into old routines, drinking and smoking and going chasing women and <laughs> all these things. That you know what I mean? That just distract you from <laughs> yeah. from the real things in life. Yeah. And I, and, yeah. I, and I and I mean that was what I was doing. You know, it was just that was that was um, honestly the way I was living my life. And I just it made me feel terrible. And uh, so when I um when I actually started training for this, it was actually I could nearly link it to one exact day. Uh, In early February, I went out for a a, a 30 kilometer run and I had my headphones in there, Bluetooth headphones, and I always used to listen to music. I'm a huge um, hip hop fan, huge uh, soul and blues fan as well. And I would always listen to to music like, you know, and Mm. it could be anything, Dr. Dre, Etta James, Marvin Gaye, nas it could be anybody and someone to keep me company. On the runs, because it was like half four or five o'clock in the morning. There ain't nobody on the road in February at that time, no. um, unless you are stumbling home from a, a house party or something. And um, <laughs> so I was out there on my own. And uh, about three hundred meters in, I heard beep boop, and my my fo- my headphones died and I was kind of like left on this really icy cold morning and you could see my breath bellowing out in front of me as I was going on and the only thing I could hear really was I could hear three things I could hear my footsteps hitting the floor and I could hear my breath and then I just started to hear my thoughts and then I was like okay you know what what are we doing this for like you know and it was actually about three or four days after I had my last drink I'm sober a year now and I had my last drink about four days before this run, and I was thinking about that day. I was thinking about you know going out and and because I I had I had had quote unquote dry January, and I broke out of it on the twenty sixth, and uh, I broke out of it, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and have a couple of drinks now because I was I was actually meeting up with a girl at the time, and I was like. um I was like, oh, well, look, I go, I'll break up (laughs) (laughs) to go and meet this girl or whatever, you know? And uh, so I I went out and I had those drinks. And the next day, it was like, um, it was a bit of a change then because I was like not thinking about how much of a, you know, how much of a dope I was for drinking. And I wasn't, because I had ended up actually drinking too much and passing out. And I was like, I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about like, oh man, like, you know, you promised yourself on the first of January that you were going to, you know, that this was going to be your time. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. This is going to be your time. And this is not, this is not what we were meant to do, was it? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, it isn't really. And I really had a discussion with myself where I was like, not telling myself how, <laughs> how much of an idiot I was, yeah. but kind of rather telling myself where, you know, you need to be a- accountable to yourself and you mm. need to be accountable for your actions. And I remember being on this run a couple of days later and thinking about that. And I said, right, you know, what we'll do. Let's be, and this is, a, this, is the, this is the exact way I mean to say this, let's be brave enough to not drink. Yes. Let's be brave enough to not succumb to the life that you don't want to live anymore. Mm. So I did. And so I, I worked through an awful lot of things. And, and even on that run, and I remember actually that day really well, actually, because I ran those 30 k. And I was thinking to myself so much About loads of different things That I couldn't really w- Couldn't really concentrate on work I left work actually shortly after that f- For the first time And um, I, I, I about about six weeks after that I, I quit And because I, I was doing so much work on myself I just couldn't even I couldn't even function properly in, inside work And I remember when I finished up work I put back on my sweaty clothes That I had ran in that morning And went back out and ran And I can't remember how much I ran, but I ran again because I just wanted to, because I didn't think that I could properly tap back into the thoughts I was having unless I was running. So I was like, I'm going to run again. So I started running again and I was really sore. And I was, I was, I just kept running and thinking. And then that just became the kind of thing that I would always have a time period where I wasn't listening to music and where I was just able to talk to myself. Mm. And when I started to talk through these things and work through these things, it would happen when I was not running when I was like sitting down at work when I was having coffee I always say I used to sit down and cast a coffee and order two Americanos one for me and one for my demons and I used to literally just talk to myself through about these different things (laughs) and write things down and I love writing I've written loads of blog posts about these things and stuff like that and uh, you know when I wrote them down and I read them back I'd be like okay well look we'll see how we feel about this in a week's time mm. and I'd go back and I'd look at these things and I'd be like no you're not really telling the truth there now are you yeah. because that's not really what happened and if i think about yeah. these things like there's certain aspects of my life where i'm like i never joined the army right and yeah. it was like my dream from when i was 3 years old when i could actually like realize that my dad was a soldier yeah. till i was 18
1: do you think it was your dream or do you think it was um the what you thought maybe your dad had wanted to do or that you would have been pleasing or not pleasing him but you would have been giving him a sense of pride and sense in that like you know oh it was my journey and now it's going to be his journey do you think it was it was definitely your own
0: there was definitely an aspect of that because I still have that aspect today even I'm like I, I like that my dad thinks what I'm doing is cool you know yeah well we all want our you parents
1: know? to be like to to think that what we're doing is fantastic right exactly. I know I definitely do for it, sure it means a whole bunch to me that they and that he's involved in well. all
0: of it is like really like family is everything to me family is just like my whole world and uh, yes. so when I when I think about having my, my dad there when I'm doing these things uh it it does fill me with joy and I often thought about you know I've, I often thought throughout my years like why I didn't join the army and things like that and I was like well it was kind of my dad talked me out of it and I was like that's not really true really either because and I had had this script written for years that my dad had talked me out of going into the army and what had actually happened was I had a girlfriend when I was when I was 17 till I was 22, which was like, she was like, you're not joining the army because your dad's away all the time and I'm not doing that. And I was like, OK, OK, you know, just keeping her happy mm-hmm. at that time. I was only a young fella, like, you know, and I was just thought I was doing what was right. And then when that when that ended, I was like, I left I was left with this free reign where I could go in mm-hmm. and I could do it if I wanted to. And it was around the same time when I fought Paddy. And at that time, I couldn't take another failure and I couldn't take another time where I was going up against these like these other overachievers Mm. and where I was like going up against somebody else in any aspect, in any capacity. Mm. So my dad never really dissuaded me from it. He only talked about basically... Uh, that the army was was a different was a different organization to when he joined in the eighties, you mm. know, and and how um he he don't he didn't think that it would fulfil me or whatever the case may yeah. be, and he never really dissuaged me too much, but I I latched onto that idea just because he had kind of said, oh yeah, it's not the same, yeah, and I had latched onto that, and I made myself and I made myself properly believe that script, and that's mm. and that's only one aspect of life, but I had scripts for so many different things, yes and i had yeah. to i had to rip up those scripts mm. and i had to really be truthful with myself about loads of things about like you know about my drinking about my relationships with women with about my um but with my friends with you know with my career with like why i had studied law degree and i never did anything with it and why i you know, why I decided to do all these things. And then I had to forgive myself for the times that I had, you know, where I had made the decisions that were wrong or I had uh, made mistakes in my life. And when I actually did that, it just it just freed everything up. And mm-hmm. that was kind of the major thing, really, that uh, that kind of allowed me to have this, this, that this was different, that this time was different.
1: Now that you've come out the the back of us, mm-hmm. um and obviously the work that you had that, that you have done on yourself in that time period was very much obviously necessary for you to do to get you through to where you are now. Now that you look back on it in hindsight, do you kind of have this sense of I was meant to experience all of those things to get me to where I am now? Absolutely. Mm.
0: Absolutely. There's like if, if 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 this thing didn't happen then I'd have been able to do this, this and this and all this kind of things happened. But it it's you would i wouldn't be in the exact situation that i'm yes. in right now mm. if i hadn't phoned everything and um and if i hadn't come across everything or or if i hadn't made the decisions that i had made my life would have been easier but i never i from now on i never want to have an easy life i never want to mm. have a comfortable life I want to have a life that challenges me, that mm. asks questions of me. And so if you decided that, if you if you were able to go back over with an eraser mm. and erase these certain aspects of your yeah. life and people ask you, would you do it now? Would you really do it? I can honestly say I wouldn't because there are times when I, you know, was getting stitched up in the back after, you know, Paddy was after dropping me. Or, you know, times where I had failed in another aspect of life or I had made a bad decision in another aspect of life and you're there licking your wounds and you're like feeling anxious and you're you're um you you just feel terrible about yourself and about your life. Mm. All of these things can actually turn around and actually be your tools if you learn how to actually um if you learn how to use them properly. And part and parcel of that is being really honest with yourself. And that comes into accountability as well. Mm. Because if you're accountable for everything that you do and you can be honest about every aspect of the things that you do, it's far easier to actually just accept things that yeah. are going wrong or whatever, you know. Like um, from, from I, I, got, I, got a, I got a fine in the, in, the, in the door for speeding there the other day, oh! right? right? This is bad. This is this bad. is, this
1: is we, it has all been leading to this point. Yeah. The juice now is yeah. coming out. This is bad.
0: This is b- I'm ball driver, <laughs> and basically I was doing uh, I think I was doing 110 kilometers or 111 kilometers something. I and, and I don't drive, kilometers. so is
1: this this is fast, right?
0: Well, like it was 100 kilometers on, so okay. I was going a bit over it, right? Right, okay, okay, and so I. So you're
1: Vin Diesel. You're you're going down the highway. I was
0: I was Vin Diesel. I was going 250 <laughs> miles an hour um, in my uh, in my uh, Nissan GTR. <laughs> <laughs> no I was um, I, I, So I was caught speeding And I got the fine in the door And I'd have been so annoyed And so pissed off About that before Like I'd have been so pissed That I was caught rotten And I was had uh, to pay this fine I have points on my uh, licence And I've got uh, You know I've got i have probably having uh, Higher insurance now Because I've got these three points And all of these things I got the letter in I looked at it and I goes I shouldn't have done that And that was it uh. I shouldn't have done that and this is what happens when this when you do these things, you take it on. You take every single part of your life. That's just one small, tiny aspect of things. But as soon as you take responsibility yes. for anything, yes. it just it's it just becomes a non-factor. Like you know, yes. and yes. that's the tiniest little. Example that I can give you because it was the it it literally came in the door like yesterday, (laughs) so it's fresh in my mind.
1: Oh, no, it's actually this week.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, okay, right, right. So, I was like, So (laughs) instead of me having half an hour where I was pissed off, storm around the kitchen, making coffee uh, there, like you know, really loud and clanging things around the place, I was like, Oh, I shouldn't have done that, I better pay that, and that was it. And it's it's, like if you have all of your other aspects of life like that. The stress levels, man, just drop. This is
1: what I'm saying to you about the road bumps and how you 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 navigate them. Yeah. That's something that's... So I can resonate with that so much because that was part of my... Um, part of my healing was was separating that that energy that i brought to situations mm-hmm. i would get defensive when something when something i had done something wrong whether it was relationships whether it was work whether it was and i would say well no the reason is because you you know and you give yourself this sort of defensive um like mechanism i suppose and then I started, like, you know, changing the situation and changing like my power in the situation, and just being like owning up to things.
0: Absolutely. Not That's... only
1: with other people, but with myself, and just being like, "Well, there you go. It's crazy, it... done that." Exactly. And saying, "Yeah, you're right. Sorry, I, I did actually do that, and I- I'm really sorry about that." Yeah. It, it won't happen again. Do you again. know
0: where it comes <laughs> up a lot? So and simple. It's, it- it's, it's, so it's so good. Easy. Yeah. It's so good, and it makes it like it makes things like you know. Um, it takes everything else and it ma- and it can it, it makes certain things that it could be a problem for you it 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 makes a non problem or someone else can take it to be their problem. now it, yeah. it, it sounds it sounds strange when I say that, but what I mean is, um if I'm late for something, yeah. I don't ever like say, oh, I was late because this this and this I was like I was late because I actually forgot about the time, and yeah. uh, I was late because I didn't think about the time when I was yeah. think- supposed to be here. Yeah. I apologize. Thank you very much for waiting for me or whatever. Yeah. And uh, you, when you do those things and you're just straight up honest about these yeah. things, sometimes sometimes people don't even know how to react. They're just like, absolutely. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. But if you were like in the car now, um, I'd uh, I'd say that I couldn't find the dog. Or yes. Um, I, do you know? You're just like you know. Yeah. As yeah, soon yeah, as yeah, you yeah. kind of just realise that you're just going to have to own up to things. It's
1: so refreshing.
0: It just makes things so much easier, you so know. So much easier. So much easier. And I actually read a really interesting book from Aunt. Middleton it's called the fear bubble right love and he taught yeah he's a very very good guy he's very I, I would love to sit down and have a chat with him
1: it's so probably, would I it's, Connor. It's, <laughs> so if you do yeah if I ever
0: come <laughs> across him I'll uh, tell him I'll uh, send yeah, him your way
1: pass him my number, pro-
0: it would probably be a very expensive coffee yeah. um but basically <laughs> I I am I, um, I thought ta- I I read his book and uh when I when I read the book, I centered in on on you know when, whenever you read a full book of things, you're actually lucky if you can take out one morsel of of something that you can yeah. apply to your life or yeah, whatever you know. Yeah, yeah. So what he talks about is godlike responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what he what he describes in that. And, and an example he uses is you go down the street. It's three o'clock in the morning. You're after a couple of drinks, and you go down a side alley, and you get the shit kicked out of you.
1: Mm. Who's
0: responsible?
1: Oh. This can splinter off into so many different areas.
0: I agree with Ant when he says it's your responsibility.
1: Because you went down the... Because
0: you were out at that time after drinking alcohol and you went down that... Side street, and you made those decisions, yeah. And people could say, you know, people who are going to visit you in the hospital or whatever, be
1: like, Those fuckers,
0: you know, they shouldn't exactly, they shouldn't have done it, yeah. Fair enough, they shouldn't have done it, but you shouldn't have been in that situation Mm. and you shouldn't have presented that. That's the type of stuff that I have, that's the type of level where I'm getting to, where I'm like, things that people wouldn't even think are probably my fault or my, you know, responsibility, not even my fault, because yeah, it's it, it, it is. You know, yes. every single aspect of my life is is um, is is down to my responsibility. And, you know, people are talking awful about politics and about the government and, mm. about you know, everything that's happening right now. If I can say it to anybody who's listening to this right now, I'm not going to make some super uh, like, you know, outrageously controversial <laughs> political statement here. What I'm going to try and say to people is um, people have are, are complaining about how the government has um has like, you know, fucked up the health system. Yeah. Right. It's true. And I'll agree with that. Mm. But what I would say is, let's take personal responsibility for our health. Mm -hmm. Let's start living healthier. Let's start taking care of our bodies. Let's start taking care of our friends and our family's bodies and start becoming an example for them. Let's let's take our own, first of all, let's not shirk the responsibility of Mm -hmm. health. And we'll take it up on ourselves. And obviously, there are loads of times and loads of aspects where you will need hospitals and it's outside of your control. Yes. Completely. And I mean that. And and I don't want to get confused with that. Absolutely. But let's live as healthy as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. And let's live with as much responsibility for our health as we can. Mm -hmm. They say that they have like, you know, with, with the rental markets and with taxes and all these kind of things that they're fucking with people's money. Yeah. Let us be responsible for our money. Mm. I don't work now at the moment and I, I, I haven't signed on to the, 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 the dole I haven't done any of like that. And it's not that I'm against it. It's just that I don't, I don't have to because I've saved the money when mm-hmm. I, when I had it. So that was why the, the fine meant so much as well. Because when I got an 80 euro fine, it was like, that's a big lump of money for me. Yeah. Now. You know, because like, yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm not working right now. And it's like, you know, that's a big lump of money. So I could have easily been really pissed off about it, mm. but I took complete control over it when i when i just owned up to i shouldn't have done it yeah and so if i'm taking responsibility for my money in that regard that's my that's my house in order before i start judging the world if my house is in order in terms of my money now you could if you think about every aspect of your life like that mm. You won't, you won't need to blame the government and for anything. You won't need exactly to Exactly.
1: What I was going to say is when you were so consumed with worrying about your own house, you don't have to worry about your neighbor's house. Absolutely. And it goes in, if that, filter, that mindset filters into so much else, even the age of offense that we're in now, where <laughs> everyone is offended by absolutely everything and you absolutely. can't say anything without someone taking offense to it. And when you start to realize or question why you get offended by certain things... Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. Why does something trigger you? That's... And it's usually because it is shadowing your truth. Absolutely. You know,
0: it's it, it, you're, you've definitely put another another finger on a, on a different pulse that I have definitely talked to um, at at, um, at length with loads of people. Is about this this era of offence and the reason why is exactly it touches on something that you haven't dealt with yet, mm. and um, it's just that you know, people, people will be able, won't be able to take your words and take responsibility for their own life in that regard. Mm -hmm. The age of offence for me, I could talk about it for about a half an hour, (laughs) but I, all I will say is, um, is that if people actually take responsibility for building their own resilience, then they won't have to worry about it. And that's it. And Mm -hmm. if the, if you, and you can do that by not, Seeking the comfortable aspect of life and not seeking the easy way out. And I'll tell you 100 percent, there is one man who has taken the easy way out so many times and has taken the path of least resistance and has taken the bad decision or the mistake. And that's Conor O'Keefe. And mm-hmm. he has done it a hundred million times over. Yeah. And that's the reason why I know that I shouldn't, mm-hmm. because I've been there, done that and I have bought the T-shirt yeah. and I know that I won't i won 't do that again, and even if I do, I can own up to it yeah. you know, and I can own up to that to that uh, and and that's that's half of it is that if you actually have that control of your own life you won't need to you don 't need to blame anybody else you won 't mm. need to look outside of your own mirror, only you control your life and that's for the good for the bad, for the indifferent, and for the worse it's literally every aspect of your own life you actually mm. generally do control it, yeah and, and that's, where I'm, that's where I've decided where I'm like I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do this and I'm going to run these marathons because mm-hmm. I'm like this is what I want to do I, I'm not going to say I do that now uh, only that work is too much look you've got money in the bank yeah quit your job yeah take responsibility of the things that you want to do and the things you want to achieve I don't want to sit back in 10 years time and go oh yeah remember that I won that 200 mile race there and I thought about doing those marathons I didn't want to do that yeah so I took control of the situation and I basically made my life the life that was possible to do this and and that's where that's that's where it all kind of links in where are really i talking about some really I'm actually delighted the way that this conversation has gone because loads of people are like do you train a lot <laughs> you know I'm like yeah this, I'm this
1: really is, good at my job Connor. yeah this is really
0: really interesting because, now
1: back to star signs yeah
0: back to the star signs now yeah so this has been interesting
1: but listen to me oh mm-hmm. you heading off no, oh, no, is?
0: no, no, Just no. I'm, I'm actually just taking cognizance of what we're Conor's, actually talking about. Left the studio. Yeah, Connor's actually gone.
1: He's gone. What What was I going to ask you there? Oh, you're after getting rid of me. Good question. Now, what were we talking about there? We were talking about. Uh, um. Oh yeah. You're You're saying about how like you're taking control of your own life and the your own we'll say, um, journey. Mm-hmm. you're you're you have the the horse by the woods rains, rains the, like the horse by the horns there. I was like what <laughs> <laughs> um but do you ever get that little like dip of you know the little voice inside where society has like that pulse and you're like oh you don't have a full-time job I, I don't know whether you have your own house your mortgage or you know uh married or kids or um you know going on 2.5 holidays a year do you ever have that thing where you're like shit I'm not I'm following what I what I feel like I want to do now but what if this journey isn't the right one and in 10 years time I have regrets because you're at the age now where like a lot of people start getting the panic you know where Mm -hmm. they're in their nine to fives and they're like I could never leave this nine to five because what would I do I'm nearly 30 now and you know, um, I can't start again. I can't study again. Oh, I, I've been with her for or him for three years. Oh, I need to get married. Oh, I'm going to have to have kids. I'm going to have to buy a house, you know. I'm going to die soon.
0: Yeah, Ooh, that's a, that's a, another interesting question. I've never been asked that before mm. either. Um, I can honestly say no, and I'll explain it. Um because I take responsibility for every single aspect of my life, I'll take responsibility for leaving for leaving my job, for not having a full time job. I'm, a, I'm through my own admission, I'm a very capable, intelligent uh, man and could get a job that could pay me an awful lot of money probably tomorrow. Mm. That's just not what I actually want from life. Mm. Though. And that's just being honest with myself. So when I, I took responsibility for the things that I wanted to do, the things that I wanted to do did not include the nine to five. Yeah, that didn't include like buying houses that was actually why I had the savings I actually got a pro- approved for a mortgage and then no way. the property actually had um, tax on the estate so I didn't end up actually being able to buy the house so I had all this money I had no house to buy and instead of like trying to buy another house I was like This is a sign. (laughs) So I just didn't, I didn't spend the money and I didn't want to go for another mortgage and this is while I was training for the 200 miler and I said, you know what we'll do? We will fund our dreams (laughs) with this money. So that's what I did Um, and so the, uh, and in terms of the relationship side of things and the kid side of things, um, I actually for an awful long time, because I was so unhappy with myself and so um i had such a bad self image of myself mm. i never thought i'd be a good dad so i yeah
1: um
0: so i never thought that i'd be a good dad so i i used to say oh no i i i just want to live the bachelor life you know i don't want to ever have kids and that and i i, I, I that script that script yeah. that i had written for myself for so long That was basically blocking from the fact that you'd actually really would like to have kids. And you love, you know, you love your nieces and your nephews and all this kind of stuff. And you really love your cousins and things like that. You know, you'd love to have kids. So why are you telling yourself these things? But, um, and and only recently, I just had a nephew um, about uh, two months ago. Oh,
1: Congratulations. Sor-
0: sorry, three months ago. Um sorry, Sean. Uh that's my brother. And um so I had I had this this nephew, and I've had I have two nieces, um, two older nieces than this nephew, and then when I when I held my nephew, it was like I had the same elation that I had when I held my my my, my goddaughter when I when I held Amelia and the, the same exact feeling but it was like I I, I want this, you know. I yeah. want I you know I want it for myself and I and I've, I felt like I actually felt like I'd be robbing some child of a good dad if I didn't have kids because I knew I know that I would be as I am with every aspect of life all in. You know? Yeah. And I would be all in to his or her life. And so that's only something that's kind of crept into my life of recent times. Yeah. So I haven't had enough time to really, um, to really dwell on that. But if I can answer it in a hypothetical sense, when the time and the person comes where I kind of go, do you know what? I wouldn't mind, you know, mm-hmm. mixing our DNA together and having a child. <laughs> um,
1: I've uh, got this new project that I'm looking yeah, to I've work on. Yeah, I've got a new project. It's <laughs> called 32
0: Kids and 32 go <laughs> <counties. laughs> <laughs> so um, when I, when I find that when I find that person and um I finally kind of think you know what this might be a good opportunity to uh, to have a child then I I I'll, I'll have to do 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 my do my have my three o you know yeah. my accountability my gratitude and my compassion I and see. um yeah so I don't worry about those aspects of life because I don't feel like I'm in an, I don't feel when I say I don't feel 28 I don't really feel an age do you know I don't really feel like you know yes. I don't feel 21 and I don't feel 35 and I don't feel 28 I just feel like Connor O'Keefe and like so yeah. to me you know it's, it, it doesn't really matter what my license says mm. do you know what I mean it doesn't Absolutely. matter what my passport I, says I, I have
1: that as well because a lot of a lot of people say because I'm 35 so a lot of people you
0: don't look 35 people can't <laughs> see you now you're, you're, you're listening only listen to you but Lydia doesn't look 35 <laughs> whatsoever but anyway but you?
1: so many people say that to me they're like you do not Look, 35 I don't feel that I it's don't it's the
0: jujitsu well, it that's def- the it secret it definitely is it's
1: not drinking and it's jujitsu that yes. is definitely what it is um, I'm not doing any drugs anymore uh, <laughs> that helps too um, but um, I feel that it's my spirit it's my energy I have an unquenchable desire for life that's class every day that's I wake unreal. up I'm like genuinely like yes
0: we're drinking from the same tap
1: Absolutely. For sure. I go to bed at night and I have this really weird thing where when I get into bed, I'm usually so tired from either training or working or whatever is going on, where I say this thing where I go, oh, bed, I'm so grateful for you right now. And I have, the, it's just like a little, like, I'm saying grateful to my bed for being hmm. so comfortable and then I'm in it, which is so Mental. It's sounding. not. It's
0: actually really good. <laughs> I'm actually very impressed. Continue.
1: <laughs> I'm like, and then I get really cozy, and then like I, I'm gone zonked. Mm. I've I could be asleep within five seconds, and then when I wake up in the morning and my alarm goes, I get like a burst of cortisol where I'm like so excited because I have created a life for myself that is exactly how I wanted to be, and anything that happens in it throughout the day is like it's like an exciting like new signpost or something do you know does that explain it properly like you never know what's going to happen in the day because I've created a life that it's not just wake up go do the 9 to 5 do the same job eat the same lunch come home watch shy TV and go to bed yeah there's so much I'm doing the podcast I'm fight connect TV I'm All over the place, I'm sending emails, I'm trying to create new things, new experiences, new journeys, talking to new people, like getting you on the podcast, like figuring shit out, that every day is exciting and it's only as exciting as I am putting into it. Absolutely. So what you put in, you get out.
0: Absolutely. Because you have to live your good days and you have to live your bad days. Yes. And, And you have to take control and know that they are good because of you. Yeah, And they're bad because of you. Absolutely. For, for for a lot of the time. Yes. You know, you're going to have bad days. Like, you know, there, there's things are going to happen. You're going to have bad days. You're going to get clamped or you're going to, you know, or, you know, someone yeah. might pass away or something that, you know, it's, it's talking so severely like that. But for majority of your life. Yes. You actually control it. And actually, mm-hmm. if you did get clamped, that's your fault. But <laughs> but just, uh, you know, for the majority of the time, you control whether you have it and that's why you have this joy in your life. Yes. Because you have nobody else to look at for mm-hmm. this life, only be, only Lydia, you know what I'm yes. saying? Yes,
1: and it came from, um, we're getting mad deep now, but it mm. came from a uh, need to be in relationships when I was in my 20, 20s. And I need to, um, I had a feeling that I could only be happy or fulfilled with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that their joy by putting all my energy into creating their joy, it would then somehow resonate as my joy. And when I was 29, 30, I realized that that's not the case and the only thing that's going to... And through Jiu-Jitsu, I was able to get that toolbox and put the tools in and to understand that the only person who really can make you happy at the end of the day is yourself. Absolutely. and By doing the things that, that you want to do and, 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 and be the best version of yourselves and all those kind of stereotypical things that we say. But then when you get to the point of... That it it's very simple on how to be happy and nothing Absolutely. has to be complicated. Yeah. My best days are waking up, having the day off, sending a few emails, going out doing a bit of sparring, fucking going for a nice bit of grub with friends and being in bed for nine o'clock.
0: Absolutely. Like the best day ever. It's unreal. They're class. <laughs>
1: unreal. Yeah. And what was happening was when I was having good days and when I was having bad days, when I was drinking is like... You, you would sit with a bad day or something bad would happen in your day and I'd be like "Why? Right, I need to drink or I need to go for a few points." but it's not it's not like that in your mind you're not like right now I have to open a bottle of vodka it's just the kind of premeditated Absolutely. sort of thing all oh, ads, like I'm after, this has to happen this morning anyone wants to go for a point?
0: it's like people who smoke or whatever they just yeah. go oh Jesus I have to go for a fag after that do you know exactly uh, you know, and those things. you're masking it well it's they're, they're crutches in certain ways but like you know um I don't want to because this comes into the compassionate side of it too is I don't yeah. want to talk to people and say you know and be like you're smoking you're drinking all that kind of stuff that's terrible that's bad you, you shouldn't do that yeah. because I believe that when I was doing all of those things I was operating the best information I had at that time exactly and and you're saying that there that um, you know uh, about when you have the bad days that you go for these drinks and things like that and you don't register them in your head because you haven't thought about them enough exactly and, and you're, you're 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 going off the information that you have, mm-hmm. and um,
1: there's a very good Maya Angelou quote, Doctor Maya Angelou, and uh, she says, very simply, uh, when you know better, you do better.
0: That's exactly it. Yeah. That's a hundred percent right. Yeah. And when I when I say to people about um when I say to people about you know when you're taking responsibility for your own life, that means your own life, mm-hmm. not trying to be anybody else. Yeah. Because that's another thing that I've that I noticed that um that I had done so many times through my life. You were saying that you were, you were, uh, you were only happy when you were in a relationship or whatever mm. the case and be. I was only happy when I was actually basically living somebody else's life. Mm. And whether that be, you know, whether it was like Marvin Hagler, um, yeah. because I read a book where uh, called Four Kings and one of the book one, one of it was about the four welterweight boxes of the 70s and 80s four, four main welterweight boxes of the 70s and 80s and one of them was Marvin Hagler and I just loved the way he like you know put himself into jail and like you know completely lived this monkish lifestyle and that became my life and I didn't yeah. go on leaving sort holidays or college balls or rag week freshers week any <laughs> of that stuff never done anything that. Yeah. Ne- barely ever drank it during those times N- didn't smoke didn't do anything and because I was living that life of where I thought this was the way to go, mm-hmm. or like Raymond Decker, you know, I came across Raymond Decker's. and I used to yeah. go into an internet cafe. Like, you know, this is when I first discovered I used Box. You went an internet cafe, pay the my fighter, yeah, so the you, like... Diamond Decker, like you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean, rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. And what a fighter! Like what what an ambassador yeah. for the yeah, far yeah. of the, the 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 fighters in Europe. And I was living another life like like the way that he, that he was living. That I was like I wanted to be. You know I wanted to be That uh, Committed to fighting That my whole entire life Was fighting And then when I Ran my first ultra marathon And my first 100 miler And I've had this Empty feeling afterwards It was because mm-hmm. I was trying to be David Goggins The guy um, on, I, I, If you know David oh, Goggins absolutely yeah. yeah 100% I was trying to be him And I was like Do you know what I'm going to fucking Stop being all these people Yeah Because I'm going to Just try and be Conor O'Keefe And see who he is And see mm-hmm. what he's about And when When you do just decide To actually be you And whether that's Not in a relationship in mm. a relationship, whether it's um just like w- when you're on your own when you're in your in and around your friends, when you're with your family, if you are always just you and who you are, mm. you will never go wrong if you if you're trying to emulate or try and be this person, and that that kind of fits into the i the idea that you were talking about that I was only you were only kind of felt maybe let's say complete when you were with somebody, yeah that's just because you didn't feel like you were enough on your own, yeah. And and that's where the way I felt as well because when I when I when I, I had a long relationship and I had tie boxing together when both of those ended, mm. I started to find my um, kind of uh, I suppose my, my I don't know acceptance in girls mm. and in chasing girls and that was basically what happened was when I was I started drinking all the time and I started to 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 like to chase women. And then all the lads would be like, "Oh, Connor's mad for pulling or whatever the case may be." And then I became that
1: <laughs> yeah. that
0: identity, you know, mm. let's say, or whatever the case may be. And then I would just stayed in that being, although it always gave me serious anxiety.
1: Mm.
0: Um, like you know, waking up with somebody that you don't know and things. I like thought those things were, were.
1: I don't. know. I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> But it, in, 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 it, honestly, it was one of those things where, like, everybody on the outside was like, "This guy's mad for pulling women," and then yeah. on the guy on the who was fucking putting, you know, getting into his car and was actually on his own was like, "This is fucking destroying me."
1: Yeah, it's the the lie you tell yourself versus the lie you tell others, oh, right?
0: It's like I, I was just I was telling myself the biggest lies because. Like all I was thinking about was it's just like you know this is not the way I wanted you know things to be. Mm. I just didn't want my life to be like that. Yeah. And then that just kind of like that that just led into me feeling so terrible about myself. And and as soon as I decided that I was just going to live my own my own my own idea of who I was and become who I am, that was when everything changed. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's it's so interesting. It's really interesting and and for myself going forward, like I don't want to give the impression that oh I'm like, you know, some kind of uh, guru here now and I'm healed and like all my lessons are learned. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still in the middle of a massive journey because although I've come from that and I got to this new place of like self-love, self-acceptance, compassion, forgiveness, everything that you said, there's also then integrating yourself back into society Absolutely. as a fully healed sort of functional person you know i mean that's terrifying that scares me even more because it's the especially in terms of like relationships i find it very very difficult because i have a fear that if i do get back into a long-term relationship that i go back into old habits Mm. And or if I start going out socializing and drinking on the weekends the whole time that I go back being to on the piss like seven nights a week. So that's totally like a thing where I have to kind of be like, OK, Lydia, there's like, you know, still a little work to do. But there's no pressure just keep on keep on you know
0: absolutely as i was saying to you earlier i do learn something new about myself every week Mm. and like when you stop learning you stop living because you 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 are constantly changing i'm not even going to be the same guy this time next year Mm. and i'm not going to be the same guy 10 years from now because you you do constantly evolve and you constantly morph you'll have your core of who you are and that's the very very important part to touch base with but as you were saying there there is parts of me about you know about drink and about relationships and things like that that I've had I've had to do so much work on that mm. I am afraid to uh, inject those back into my life yeah. you know you know yeah. because it's like um, and the, and those fears I'm I'm okay with because I sit with them and I think about them and I don't mm. put them to the back of my mind I put them right in front of my face yeah. and I say to myself okay what do we you know. How do we feel about drink now? Do we, you know, do we feel like it's something that we could have in our lives and still keep on this track? Mm. Or is it something that you think that you are so afraid that if you start having a couple of drinks again, that you're going to be back, mm. you know, slowly, like to a point where you won't even realize it's happening. And you'll be back then six months down the lane. You're kind of back in the same road. And to be honest when when i when i when i ask myself these questions i actually generally fairly i, I give myself the benefit of the doubt mm. i really do think that uh, i've done that this time it's not a it's not a just lose the weight and you lose the insults and you 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 know your life becomes better this is a, i've actually worked from the ground up mm. and i'm continuing to work from the ground up about my own life and about who i am that whether I go and have a couple of drinks or not, it's not going to. Uh, yeah. It's not going to derail me because there is no. I'm not on a track. I'm mm-hmm. just living a life, and that's it. You know, if I if I was on track to something, then I feel like you'd be constantly thinking about falling off. Yeah. Whether for me, I don't think I'm on a track. I'm just actually finally living the life that I actually was meant to live, um, and that I was. I'm actually finally being Connor. Mm. And and that's and if if you're only being yourself, you can't just one day not be yourself. Mm. So I I know that I'm just me. I don't actually worry really too much about you know something derailing me or whatever the case may be. So mm. if I if I do have those drinks or whatever the case may be, I'm giving myself the benefit of the doubt that look I I am who I am, and I will continue to 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 do these things and continue to live the life that I live. But I'll also say just on one final note um about this general about this point is i'm also not i'm also not afraid of a life without running because that's very important for me
1: that was something that i wanted to ask you yeah do you fear when it ends
0: uh, the only reason why I would fear that it, it, that when it ends is because I feared when Thai boxing ended, mm. and Thai boxing was one of those things where for five years it was like my entire life, and like I could never see anything out of it. Even my girlfriend at the time, I loved her to bits. She was mm. still number two because it was Thai boxing was number one. No, it was always mm. was, and so I I I put all of the eggs in that basket, but. There's a difference between putting all the eggs and putting all your effort into something or putting all of your identity into something. And I put all my effort into running, but I don't put all of my identity into it whatsoever. Mm. I've, in my own mind, detached from it altogether, really. As in, it's just something I do and it's not who I am. And I've been very, very, very not careful but I've been very much it's been very important for me to remind myself of that fact all the time that I'm actually good enough I'm just a good enough person without it I'm not I'm not this quote unquote great guy because I run this mad Mm -hmm. mileage I'm just because I'm just this person who treats people with respect treats people with kindness has a really good heart and you know will will you know will do anything for people who loves his family who loves his friends and is just generally wants the good for humanity and i'm that with it with or without it with or without running so it was very important for me not to pigeonhole myself into this guy who runs a lot um so and, and that kind of also creates new excitement mm-hmm. because it's like, OK, well, look, if you've done this in this, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to row across the Atlantic or do you want to swim around Ireland or whatever? It's like all of these things seem possible to me yeah because I'm just like, I, I, because none of these things will ever be my identity. Mm-hmm. They're just parts of how I express who I am. And that's that's the major difference this time around is like I can actually live this life and I can do these things and I can become all engulfed in it Mm. and yet still stay so separate from it because it doesn't it doesn't control me. And like if it controlled me the last two months where I couldn't run I'd have been so frustrated and I'd had been such a terrible mind space in my head I've got this huge massive feat to do in April and I can't run for the last two months and it would have eaten me up inside mm. but instead I'm like okay well look we just have to actually be realistic about it let's control what we can control and let's actually manoeuvre ourselves in ways where we're actually creating this this, uh, this kind of environment where we can grow and I'm the best athlete I've ever been in my entire life right now and, it's, and I'm the best runner I am for ever and I haven't ran really properly in two months leading up to this big task. And that's because no matter what happened, if my leg wasn't working properly or my arm wasn't working properly or, you know, whatever was, was not working properly, my mind was always working properly. Mm. And my mind was always going to be the the thing that was going to make me do this anyway because I said to myself when I first signed up for the 200 mile race in in, in January of 2019, I was after drinking heavily for about four months before that and I was really, really out of shape. I said to myself, look, four months is probably not long enough to train a body to run 200 miles, but it might be just long enough to train a mind that would Mm. run 200 miles. So as long as I kind of kept that, you know, that my idea that running is not who you are, then if I couldn't run, it wasn't affecting me in that way. Yeah. Because it was like um, when you were, when I was boxing, if I couldn't box for any reason, um, I, you know, I actually used to get myself in actually a lot of trouble because I used to, I always used to work through injuries. And I tell you a very funny story, actually, just because this is like a mainly a fighting uh, kind of podcast. I'll tell you another story about fighting. I actually was due to fight this guy and, um, I I tore my supraspinius. Now a physio might correct me on the on the uh, the pronunciation. I tore my spindius, I think is uh, the way you call it, the muscle in my shoulders, my rotator cuff of my left arm. And I was like training every day in absolute agony. And it would warm up then, and I wouldn't feel it, and I'd be training away. And I was like, I really have to get this checked out, but. Um, I got it checked out, and it was uh, it, the, the physio said you're after really bad tearing your superspendious muscle or whatever the case. And be you can't do anything. So I was like, okay, grand. So I tied my arm to my body and started using my right arm and punching the pads of my right arm. I tore the exact same muscle in my other arm. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I went back to the physio I was like um, I, I think um, the last day I, am, uh, I must have had two injuries Because I was. I've, I haven't been training And uh, it's torn <laughs> And basically I had two torn Superspinous muscles And this was a week and a half Before I was due to fight Shit. The day before the weigh in I rang my coach And I was like Did you cancel that fight? And he said no 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 I, di- I didn't And he goes Alright don't cancel it I'm going to cut weight And I cut weight And fought with two torn Two torn rotator cuffs and uh, I actually ended up stopping him. <laughs> no <laughs> I actually ended way. up stopping him in the second round. Yeah, I ended up stopping him second round with knees and punches. Um, and that that was kind of one of those things where when I thought back on this, when I was training for the thing, I was like, you've done this. Now yeah. You fought, you got in and fought guys with torn muscles and you, got, you, you were able to do all these things. I broke my foot in the first round of a fight over Manchester as well before my foot like was just like ginormous I ended up actually knocking the guy out in the fifth round so I was walking around with a broken foot and didn't actually use my front legs so or my teeping leg for the whole thing and was able to do that thing because I was like even at that time I was training myself to compartmentalise pain mm. Um and even when you get really badly hurt, you know you're trained obviously in Thai boxing and in anything, he's like, Don't yeah. don't ever show like grimaces or winces or anything like that. Yeah. I used to be very good at that. Mm. And then when I train in when I do these runs, I was like Pete, the 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 guy who organized the two hundred mile race, like, Connor, you were smiling. 185 miles into this race, you were smiling like not. Not only were you not in a like you know in a bad state, you were physically actually smiling and making jokes. Mm. And I'm like that's just because I've been training myself since I was a teenager to not show pain, mm. and I- and and not in that not in the emotional sense. I'm very very you know comfortable with saying to myself that I feel bad these days because yeah. that was I would never have done that before, and I would have been plastering over these things. But physical pain was like. It's so linear, so understandable that I can actually, I can understand it so much to the level that I just go, if I was, if I was in a two, 185 mile race and my legs were killing me, all I say to myself is, mm, your legs are killing you because you've been running for 185 miles. And as soon as you kind of go, that's actually the reality of it. You just live in it. And that just becomes your life, and that's it for that for that day and a half or whatever that you're running. I was running for two and a half days straight, actually, for the for the two hundred miler. But when you're when you're in there for that two and a half days, I'm like, you're just gonna feel pain. Yeah. And that's it's so easy to understand. Mm. And um, I actually forget where I was going with all that (laughs) now. But that's basically uh, yeah. I don't know what point I was trying to make.
1: Well, listen, it was a a fantastic. (laughs) point to leave it on yeah yeah uh, that was a great chat
0: thank you very final much final question me. yes okay
1: will we see you go back to Thai boxing anytime soon <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay this is another part of the story now that you're taking up I actually was I was diagnosed with benign cysts in my brain oh shit in 2017 a week before I was due to fly out to Thailand
1: no. and live and
0: train in Thailand yeah Way so that kind of basically at that and my trip to Thailand put put an end to my Thai boxing career. I still if you you follow me on uh, Instagram whatever I the do. case may be yes. I still hit the bag all the time I yeah. still use Thai boxing training in my training I put the weighted vest on that I that I use all the time and I shadow spar with it on and yeah. I skip with it on I love skipping from from my boxing days listen
1: you can skip for me because I hate skipping really <laughs> oh it's my worst thing I hate because I, I do I train with Craig Coakley in uh, Dublin Combat Academy and mm. we obviously skip before Thai yeah, boxing yeah, yeah. class and uh, yeah I always like I'm like I might be late today they yeah, like if, if you, ha, you are ha, ha. late you're still gonna skip yeah
0: you're gonna skip anyway yeah. skipping is one of those things where it's like it's like marmite like, you know, well it's it's, it's
1: a skipping rope on uh, a frozen toe on a cold mm. morning at like 9 o'clock it's not great not 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 yeah. no, it's not pleasant it's not the no, nicest no you can wear your runners so don't text me you know don't yeah. at me when where, you hear this yeah, Like where, wear your where runners when you're skipping I like to be barefoot
0: yeah but Thai boxing will always be part of my life being a fighter once you fight you're a fighter and you always will be for the rest of your life and that's and whatever um, aspect of uh, training and fighting that I've taken with it it's always going to be part of me or whatever but unfortunately uh, I won't ever um, jump back in the ring unless Paddy wants to go again. <laughs> Paddy, if you want to go again, we we'll go again, brother. Let's make it happen. We could have it on O'Connell Street. Well,
1: he's another person. I have I have bombarded him because I've done a documentary on Paddy. Um, oh, okay? uh, I'll send it to you. You, you can watch it. We, yeah, that, we... That's how our friendship kind of started. Um, and, uh, you know, it was all about kind of looking back on uh, him winning the Irish title, you know, reminiscing where he is now in his life, retirement, and literally... For like the next two years Up until now I'm like When are you getting back in? Please Like come back And he's just like Lydia I'm not getting back Into Thai boxing Stop asking me Me
0: and him should, should fight Um right out right in front of the spire for a crate of Guinness <laughs> and a fiver alright bring your handiest five and I'll bring my handiest five and we'll go at it
1: <laughs> listen and I have the cameras so we're on to a winner here let's do it uh, but listen thank you very much I wish you all the best of luck before I let you go please tell our listeners mm. it is the 32 uh, 32 marathons in 32 counties wearing 32 pounds in your vest all in aid of Peter House you are hoping where well, you will raise 100,000 euro
0: yes um you can uh, donate on my on my instagram page you yep. can click the link in my bio on my instagram page it's C O K E E F F E and um, you can donate to the link through there, and you can also just follow along the journey. Even if you don't have the money to donate yes. um, to to the cause, I know that people struggle for for cash all the time, and I appreciate that. Even if you don't follow along the journey, share it with your friends, ask them to donate, and um, it, you can you can you can follow me along. I post up an awful lot about my training and things like that, and if you can take something away from it. That's mm-hmm. what I'd really, really like. Not for people to be motivated by it, and not for people to try and be Conor O'Keefe. Because even I and I myself, sometimes I wouldn't like any more of me around the place. So <laughs> if you want, if you can take something and apply it to your own life in your own way, then then that would be fantastic. So
1: amazing! Thank you so much for Thank coming you. up. I really, Cheers. really, really enjoy that chat. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. You. It was Eddie. Did you enjoy?
0: Oh, I loved it. Brilliant. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. that was
1: class. Thank you very much, uh, Conor O'Keefe, for the first exchange.